Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Isn't this great being outside? Yeah. I always wanted a place that we could have an outside space to do different things and God really did this for us and I don't know if you guys know just some of the little details of how this worked out Um, of course our property line goes to the middle of the creek so wherever the creek is our property goes to that all the way around uh, on this nearly 10 acres that God gave us and when we first bought the building it had um, all of these rocks on it 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 had what was called what's called an EPDM roof with ballasts or rocks to hold the, the roof down. And the roof was really in bad shape. And so we had to remove all those rocks. 92,000 pounds of rocks were removed, sucked with a big vacuum cleaner, right? Owen Nisley did this for us, sitting right over here. Sucked off 92,000 pounds of rocks and we had them pile them all over here and then we spread them out. I spread out some of them with a the bobcat and we spread out all the rocks are, you're, you're, sitting on top of them now. Then we put dirt on top of those rocks and uh, planted grass. And so it all got used back here to create a a nice little space because it was a big dip right about where you guys are sitting was kind of a canyon. So all that got filled in and so uh, just repurposed here. And as we are just touching the the Moravian land or close to it, right right on the the edge of it, I'm just uh, still amazed at what God has done. And I ran into uh, one of the words that Someone spoke over me in 2002 and said that the Lord was helping us tap into the inheritance of the Moravians. That was uh, 21 years ago that that word came in. And I had no idea, of course, that this would, would be a part of that. I just ran across that this morning. And the Lord really has amazing things for us. In uh, so many ways, we're just beginning. In so many ways, we're just beginning to see what God has done. But... I want to share just a few things. I'm not going to go long and uh, really want more time for fellowship and food and fun here in this place. But um, I just got back from last night from Europe. And so I'm a little glazy eyed. Uh, and if I don't sound exactly right, you please forgive me. Um, I may mix up some words a little bit, but um, I was in Italy with Steve and Cindy Witt uh, and some other of our Hydrating Humanity team. And then we were visiting some family in Spain. My wife is still there in Spain. So we got to see some places in Italy and, and some in Spain. And it was, uh, I've not been to either of these areas before. And it was really a wonderful, wonderful experience. Great food and uh, just a really, really good time away. But some of the things that stood out to me, uh, we visited some large cathedrals. Uh, weren't really on the plan, but we just did uh, one. If you've ever been to Florence, Italy, they've got a big, big cathedral there. It was the biggest in the world for a long time until I think St. Peter's Basilica, but it's it's just huge. And I've never been in one this big. And so we toured it. And, um, you know, just to give you an idea of the size, if you haven't been there, the they have a dome in it. You've probably seen pictures of this. Uh, Duomo Cathedral in Florence, but it's 375 feet to the top of the dome. So inside this church, almost 400 feet high, imagine that. 
So our church is 22 feet. <laughs> Just to give you a little perspective, so 17 times higher is this, this dome, and then they've got painting six layers of the heavens all the way down to hell on the dome that you can, they have this stairs you can go up and you can kind of see, and it's, it's pretty, it's, it's moving actually. Um, as you see, they really just, uh, the description really of hell is, uh, I mean, it hits you hard. You realize how evil and dark and all of that. And, um, but it just, the planning that went into this, it took 140 years to make this cathedral. 140 years. I have no idea in today's money what this would cost, but it'd be, I'm guessing in the billions. It is massive, 89,000 square feet of floor space. It's just, it, it's just, it's hard to imagine. You look at these buildings, and especially in our country that is, you know, what, what are we, 250 years old or something like that? And this was started to get built in 1296. So before the 1300s, 140 years of building this, and you walk in, it's just, it's just amazing to look at this structure, to see that the architects and the laborers and, you know, everyone who was participating and helping to spend your generation, the next generation, the generation after that, and the one after that, and you would never get to see the completion of this, to build something that you build over, you know, over and over, generation, generation, generation. I can't imagine. I mean, we spent 13 months renovating this, and I was frustrated <laughs> that it took so long. Just to be honest, I was, I, was, I was pretty frustrated. I wanted to be in a whole lot sooner than when we got in, 13 months. Um, I, I can't fathom planning to build something that will be done 140 years from now that is a building that my great, great, great grandchildren might finish and billions of dollars. It's just, it's a completely different mindset. And so we toured that and I toured uh, another one in Madrid, Spain, which is beautiful as well. It didn't start to get built until the 1800s, finished in 1993. So it was, it only took a hundred years on this one. It's still huge, 200 foot high ceiling and the sculpture, sculptures and the, the paintings, the frescoes and the mosaics. I mean, all the things that you have in all of these places are just amazing. Some of them I'm not too crazy about. It feels like, you know, idolatry in some ways. And it, everyone is different in how they relate to these things. But there was a, a Jesus hanging on a cross right in the middle of this church. And it was so touching to me. It really, really moved me. I was, I was crying and just thinking about what Jesus has done for me. It was just so very, very real in that moment and uh, special, uh, all of those things. And as I looked at these buildings, thinking about the details of what it took to build them and the planning and making that happen, the thousands and thousands of workers. I thought of Solomon's temple. Of course, Solomon's temple, at that time, and maybe the most expensive building ever built to date because they, everything was covered with gold. Solomon's temple was about 200 feet high at the highest point, 50 feet high during most of the, over most of the temple. And they had 80,000 stone hewers, hewers of stone working, 80,000 people, 70,000 transporting those. We're talking 150,000 people working for 13 years on Solomon's temple. 
hard to fathom those type of things. And uh, in, in all of the work and the money that goes into all of that. And all of this was, to me was it's just been a reminder that we have a God who is very into details, as Tim mentioned, in all that he makes and that everything is unique. No two things are the same. No two people are the same. No two trees are the same. Just looking at these trees. Every single thing that he does is unique. He is the creator. Everything he does is so creative. In fact, if you find another person that looks like someone else, it feels odd. Stands out to you like how this person looks like someone else. God is so unbelievable and he makes every single person unique. And their looks and their personality and all of those things. And in all the things that we have been able to make as people, in structures and buildings and all of those things, his desire and plan all along was to create and build intricately in detail a place for him to dwell in us. And that he is working and has been working on you, on me, reminds me what we have in him. We have this God who's not distant. And I don't have to have something to go to, a building to go to, to meet with him. Isn't that amazing in itself? I don't have to climb a mountain to find him. That he has chosen to live on the inside of us and that we can have such personal personal fellowship with him. He's called Emmanuel, God with us, God near us, God right around us. And he said, well, let me say this. These things have been reminders as I've been watching what men have made. It It does remind me of what Jesus has done for me, what he's done for us. How he walked the earth, shared the gospel of the kingdom, raised up people, healed, set free, went to the cross, took all the weight of sin of the entire world on his shoulders, revealed his love to us, for us, endured the cross, gave up his life 100% for us, paid for our sin, gave us eternal life, So that we could live forever, and then he rose from the dead. All the things that he did, we need to be reminded of that often. And when I see these things over this last week or so that men have made, it does help me remember him and what he's done. And he he did say that's one thing that communion is for, is to remember what he's done. He wants us to remember him and all the things that he's done over and over. He also said that he would never, ever forsake us. He would be with us always. One of the promises of Jesus is that we don't have to make something for him to go to. He's made something to come to in us. And he will never, ever leave us. That is so powerful that wherever you are, whatever situation, whatever day it's, it's like or feels like, Jesus is close and near, and he'll never, ever leave. And so if 
it feels like he's not there, then my feeling is wrong. Because he promised he would be with us always. Even to the end of the age. Then he said that eternal life is all about knowing him and his father. John 17, verse 3. This is eternal life, Jesus said. Knowing you, the Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. He was speaking of himself. And he said that his sheep know his voice and follow him. So I have been reminded all over again of the personalness, if that's a word. The personalness of Jesus. How close he is, how individual he is with each one of us. He thinks and is. Um, thinks corporately, thinks his whole body, but he also thinks individual you, your name, with your hairs counted, with every thought he's aware of. I often pray prayers that don't come out of my mouth, they're in my head, and the Lord hears and answers. That's amazing. Uh, my old mentor, he was 87, I was 18. We were, he was my best friend for a couple of years. He used to go to his house every week. He said, Matt, there's a place in God. Remember this day he looked at me and said this. He said, there's a place in God where you're so close to him that your thoughts get answered. That's that oneness with Jesus. That's that having his mind and praying right in here as well as from your heart and from your using your voice. We get to have this individual relationship with Jesus himself wherever we are. I know this is so basic, but I'm reminded of the basics. And the beauty and the immeasurable wonder of Jesus here with you right now. Jesus in this place. Jesus inside of you. Jesus, when we leave here today, he is close and near. And we get to come together into our cathedral right behind us or right here today and worship corporately, but we are carrying him wherever we go. He is in us. He is with us. We can speak with him. We can experience his presence. We can have an encounter with the king of the universe every single day. We can walk with him, as the song says, and talk with him, sharing with him the things that are in our heart and what's in his heart. He is so close. He is so near. And he is, as men, we're doing these cathedrals, 100-year project, 140-year project. I was thinking about Jesus' project. And it's a 2,000-year one right now. He's at year 2,000, building his church, building his bride, getting her ready. The most beautiful thing ever created and made is the bride of Jesus. It's what he is making and building for himself to have forever, and it's you and I. So he's individually, well, let me say this. It's interesting when you read about Solomon's temple, do you realize that these thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of hewers of stone, and they're cutting wood in 
um, Lebanon, the cedars of Lebanon, and bringing them on ships or boats all the way down, and they were cutting them up. They did all of the work, all of the loud noises were done outside of where the temple was being built. They cut everything. They hammered and chiseled, and they didn't have blasting at that point. They hammered and chiseled. All the noise was made before they brought it to the place where they were building. And then they fit all the pieces together in quiet. That is, when, as they build, built Solomon's temple, that's how they did it. They didn't make any pounding noises. We made a lot of pounding noises in there when we built this. Well, they didn't do that with Solomon's temple. They built, they, they did all of the pounding and scraping and breaking outside. And then the workers brought those pieces together that were already shaped and built something. And I think of Jesus doing that in our lives when we're not around each other and when we're around each other, he does both, but he's often working on me in the quiet and chiseling pieces off of me that don't, he doesn't want there. Uh, attitudes and ways of thinking, he's shaping, he's sanding, he's chiseling, he's changing us. As we allow him to work on us, he is building his bride and fitting her together in ways that we cannot see. His 2,000 year project. And part of that, it says that he's making her holy and he's not returning until she is that way. As well as united, there has to be some uniting that has to happen yet among his body. And so we want to allow him to do those things in our lives and allow this personal Jesus to lead and guide and shape me. And whenever I think, boy, I wish someone else could hear this, it's probably because God is trying to work that on me and in me and trying to change something in me. We are not supposed to, you hear me say this a lot, we are not supposed to stay the same. Jesus stays the same yesterday, today, forever. It says that in Hebrews. But we are supposed to be changed from glory to glory, allowing him to whittle on us sand and shape us. And so that when you see someone you haven't seen in 10 years and you get talking with them, they should say, they should be able to recognize, you know, you're different than you used to be. Because we are supposed to be getting more and more like Jesus in attitude and appearance and glory that comes off of us. Acts 17, 28 says, In Him we live and move and have our being. In Him we live and move and have our being. He lives in me and I'm living in Him. And it's in Him I live and move and have my being. I want to be aware of that each day. I, When I was um, early 20s, single, I wanted to get married. In fact, I wanted to be married um, when I was a young kid. I remember riding in the school bus and praying for my wife. I was probably nine, 10 years old. Just thinking, Lord, you know, you've got something for me. You've got her. I wonder where she is. I remember thinking those thoughts. I wonder where she is. So I would pray for her. And then in my early 20s, I found myself living overseas, um, single, and saying, okay, God, I'm 21, 22. 23 now, wonder when I'm going to find my wife, wonder where she is still. Am I ever going to meet her? And so I said, Lord, um, in preparation for that, 
uh, would you show me the kind of things she's going to like so I can buy some of those now while I have money? <laughs> and so there was, uh, in the country I lived in, there was a Noritake China factory. So you could get it less expensive than other places. And so I, um, I went down there and I looked all around. I don't know a thing about China. None of it looked appealing to me, but I said, Lord, what is she going to like? And uh, this one pattern stood out to me. So I saved some money and someone else helped me actually. And I bought this 95 piece set of Noritake China in boxes. I'm a single guy. I just kept it. <laughs> just waiting for it. Never, never got it out. And then, uh, then I thought, you know, it would be fun is on my first anniversary. I know this is weird. That's how I was thinking, right? On my first anniversary, I don't even know who I'm going to marry yet, but on my first anniversary, I'd love to have a fun gift for her. So I went to the jewelry store, and in this country, they also had um, sapphire stones that, they, that were unique to that country. Uh, and one of them was a pink, bright, brilliant pink sapphire. So I shopped around and saved up my money and bought this pink sapphire stone. I thought, that'd be great for a first anniversary gift. So I put that in, this, in my little safe. And uh, then I'm praying for my wife saying, okay, God, I'm getting ready. And then he brought her to me and it made it clear who she was. And we got married and that's a whole story. You've heard part of that story. And I gave her this china, which we still use. I'm not sure how crazy she was about it right off the bat, but she's gr it's grown on her. Uh, I think she likes it now, actually. But, um, and then our first anniversary, I didn't say a thing about this stone I had. And so, um, first anniversary, I gave that to her. And I, I just, I, I started thinking, you know, that seems kind of weird in some ways, but it meant a lot to her that I was preparing for her and thinking about her and asking God for things for her. And I think that God is doing those kind of things for us. He knows what we want, what we're going to need ahead of time, what we're going to love ahead of time. And he's so personal that he's helping us. And if we're paying attention, I think that he is planning and preparing things for us. They're going to help us along the way in our journey as he's sanding us and helping fit us together into something he's making that we can't see. And we, we're not the architect. We don't see the, the whole plan. We're not supposed to. But he's doing these special things for you and for me. And I feel like the Lord wants us to just even be aware of how personally he is with you, even right now. And I was reminded of a story, personal story. I was sitting at our dinner table. This was around the time we started this church. And uh, three or four kids, I think four, yep, had four kids at that point. And we sat at our table. We had a girl that was living with us from another country and uh, sat down to eat, just about to pray. And my son, Seth, who was four at the time, just scooted out from his chair, hopped down on the floor and kissed me on my right elbow, which is kind of unusual. Then he went around me to the next person and kissed them on the right elbow, to the next person, kissed them on the right elbow, went all the way around the table, kissed everybody on the right elbow. Then he ran into another room, and I, I, it, was, it was one of these moments, and this is why I'm, I'm mentioning this, is that God is often doing something in ways that we don't expect him to. 
And he's, most times his voice is not a voice. Sometimes it is, but sometimes, most often, he's speaking through other people. He's speaking through his word. He's speaking through the spirit. And it's not always an audible voice. In fact, it usually isn't. It's so many other things. But if we're paying attention, God is doing things around us all the time because he's that personal. And as Seth was kissing our elbows, I sensed in my spirit, God is doing something. What is this? And before I hopped back in his chair, he ran into another room. And he comes back with a Bible. He's four. And Seth was not very communicative at that age. He, it took him uh, quite a while to really begin to speak and communicate what's going on on his insides. But he brings me this Bible, and it's open to John chapter 5. And he hands it to me. And he sits in his chair like, okay, let's eat. And I thought, okay. Okay, Lord, what's going on? And so I started asking the Lord. I didn't, I didn't understand and I read John 5 over and over and over. And I'm saying, God, what are you saying to me through this? What is it? That, and, and what's with the elbow? All these things. And, and, you know, some of these things I don't even yet fully understand. But about a year later, my wife um, turned 38. We had our last child, our fifth child, and her body went wacky. Um, hormones, thyroid, you've heard her share about some of that here. And she started to not be able to sleep anymore very well. So she would sleep about two hours a night with five little kids, one as a baby. And it was really rough, really, really rough, um, as you can imagine. Not getting any sleep. And then a lot of fears were coming strong. Huge amounts of anxiety, huge amounts of fear. Um, it was just a very difficult time. So we're in this season for months, no sleep. Sometimes at night we'd be up praying, coming against, you know, whatever's coming against her. And I would hear, we could both hear, it felt like someone was outside with stones in their hand, little pebbles, and throwing them against our windows. Like we could feel the demonic coming against us. It was like, there's like a war going on. And uh, this one day was a Sunday morning, middle of the, well, it was really early, early morning. It was still dark, but I remember it was a Sunday morning. I was asleep. I had fallen asleep and I heard my son, John, say, and he called me, all my kids called me Papa. He said, Papa, Papa. And I woke up and I was expecting him to be standing right here because his voice was that loud and it woke me up out of sleep. I was in dreaming and I didn't see him. And I turned over and Debbie was sitting up on the bed already. She, she wasn't sleeping in those years. And I sat up and she said, did you hear something? And I said, yes. She said, what did you hear? And I said, I heard John say, Papa, Papa. And she said, well, I just heard the same thing and I haven't been asleep. She heard the, this audible voice. Papa, Papa, from our son, John, woke me up. She hears it. And she said, but he's not here. And I didn't believe her. I got up out of bed. I looked around the room for John. It was that, that loud and right next to me. He wasn't in the room. I went downstairs. We were upstairs, went, walked down the stairs, opened the door, walked down the stairs, 
Open the door, walk in their room. He's in his bunk bed, asleep, sound asleep. I came back up and I, I'm just confused. And she said, you know, what if God's trying to speak to us in a unique way? I wonder what John 5 is, because the time was 5.05. So was, the clock said 5.05. We hear the voice John. said, I don't know, so we open up the Bible. John verse chapter 5, which is the one that Seth gave us with the open Bible, kissed our elbows a year earlier. Here we are, John 5 again. Verse 5 says, And Jesus went to the man who had been in his illness for 38 years. My wife had just turned 38. She was in this illness. And we're having difficulty getting out. And Jesus heals that man in this passage. And it was as if we knew the presence of Jesus not only is right here, right now, but he's speaking to us very, very clearly. And he's helping us. And he's prepared this moment and these moments that we're about to walk into and live in even a year ago through our son Seth, giving us John chapter 5. God is making a way and he's helping us. And he's so personal and he's so near. And he has these things, and that's just so unique because he's unique in the way that he communicates with us and the way that he is. But he's doing those type of things with you. You remember Eli, and we'll talk, be talking more about this here in a few weeks when we talk about ways that God speaks. But remember um, Samuel and Eli. Samuel hears Eli, wakes him up. And he runs into Eli's room and says, oh, yes, sir, what would you like? And he said, I don't like anything. I just want you to go back to sleep. That wasn't me. It happens three times. And finally, Eli recognizes, oh, this is God speaking using my voice. He says, next time you hear my voice, say, Lord, I'm listening. What do you want to say? And see, God uses the voice of other people, just like he did with my son, John. It was God speaking with the noise, with the sound of John to get me to the book of John. That's so interesting. And God does those kind of things for us if we're walking with him, because he's this God who is personal and he's doing things, and he's putting things in front of you and showing you things and revealing things and speaking through other people. If we have ears to hear, which is what Jesus said oftentimes, that his people didn't have ears to hear. They're expecting only a certain thing. And when he came speaking the way that he spoke, he was rejected because he spoke in a way that was not expected. And I have missed God throughout my life many times because I'm expecting a certain way for him to speak, and he chooses a different way. But if I'm open to the ways that he's speaking to me, oh my goodness, life is an adventure. And you realize he's involved in everything that you are interested in and the things that cause that where you are hurting or are in the middle of difficulty or pain or whatever. Jesus has already been there. He has made a way through it. He is helping, and if we are looking to him and looking for him, you can find these confirmations and help and guide as the Holy Spirit works and helps guide us all the way through. And at the same time, he's chiseling off stuff <laughs> on us, and he's making these beautiful pieces to build his structure. 
to build his body that he's returning for. He's amazing this way. What about you? What are you going through today? What is a battle or a struggle or an impossibility or something that feels insurmountable? I can guarantee you, God knew this was going to happen. He has already been preparing a way for you to get through it. And he's giving you the encouragement along the way. I wouldn't be surprised if there are books or chapters or scriptures or passages or quotes or a person's face that God is wanting to use to help you navigate through that and to speak to you about his nearness in all of that. So I want to just uh, pray for us today because all of us go through difficult things. We all have these, uh, boy, just varying challenges. And Jesus is with us. If you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes, let's just uh, recognize that he is here and near in this outdoor cathedral of his that he made. Jesus, thank you that you are here. Thank you that you are near. It says in Psalm 74, the nearness of God is our good. And your nearness is my good. Thank you that you are near to every person here. You do have every hair counted. You not only know our names, you know our thoughts. You hand-shaped and formed us in our mother's womb. And you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. And you are the one that sustains us all along the way and brings us to our destination. And we recognize, even right now, God, that you are the source of life. You're what we need. I ask right now, Father, in the name of your incredible Son, Jesus, that by your Spirit, you would open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds to see and recognize you on a daily basis, hear and recognize you speaking to us in a myriad of different ways. Lord, we remove the box and any box that we put you in of only the ways that you might want to talk. We just throw away the box. And we open up our spirit man to you to speak to us and to help us recognize you talking to us, ministering to us, comforting us, guiding us through life. Lord, I want to thank you for your guiding. In fact, I just even feel right now that he is guiding you and he's providing things to help you make the decisions you need to make. There's, there are some people in here, you've got decisions you've got to make and you're not sure what way to go, which one to choose and when, and Jesus has it planned out for you. He's got the right decision to make. He's got the answer that you need. He's got the timing. And so, Lord, we just look to you to lead and guide all the way through. Lord, I ask for your comfort for every difficult situation that people are going through and any healing that's needed I ask for your healing to come in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would break through every barrier, 
and that you would find your child that needs healing and help that's here right now. Lord, we ask for a stirring of your spirit, even, even in this moment, a move of your spirit and your love and your touch and your healing in every single heart. Lord, I ask for those external circumstances that seem immovable, unchangeable, fixed, and impossible. And Lord, you, here's what we know, you're the God of the impossible. You make a way through a sea to bring three million people through. You can make a way through any obstacle that is natural and large, doesn't matter if it's concrete or water or dirt or a government, it doesn't matter. You know how to make a way. And Lord, we ask that you would do that, that you would guide and lead and provide. Lord, I ask that your word, these beautiful scriptures would come alive and you would use them to lead us and to guide us. You said in Proverbs chapter four that for the righteous, the path before them gets brighter and brighter till the full day. So Lord, I pray even right now as we commit ourselves to you, repent of any unrighteousness, take on your robe of righteousness that you would illuminate the path in front of every person. Where there's not clarity, I ask for clarity, Lord, that you would put your spotlight on the path and show them where to turn right, where to turn left, where to go straight. If you're close to someone, put your hand on them if that's okay. Let's just pray for that person next to us. We are his body. And Lord, we ask right now that you would, as we are touching our brother, our sister, spouse, friend, child, new friend, Holy Spirit, ask you to move through these hands and touch their physical body, heal them, help them, deliver them, set them free, encourage them. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that does what we cannot do. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you move in power. You are the one who formed and shaped the earth. And you can form and reshape and renew and help this person we're touching. We bless them in Jesus' name. And may this day even be a day that's the change is noticed. That things are falling off. And clarity begins to come. And dreams bring clarity. And your spirit made real to us. Lord, ask for angelic participation in this walk. That we would even see your angels. Lord, that we would hear you speaking to us. Lord, we ask for your help in every way that's needed. Every way that's needed. You are the helper, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are. Lord, we ask for your help. And thank you for your mysterious journey that you have us on. This beautiful mystery, but we've got you with us. You're in the boat. You're with us. Nothing to be afraid of. Thank you that you have a way where there is no way. I bless these people and I thank you, Lord, for this land and property and time we have together. Lord, thank you for another spectacular day. We love you, Jesus. Lord, we ask that you bless this food and this chili. Lord, I pray for great fellowship, 
joy, laughter, oneness. Let your faith grow inside of us. In the beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.